Welcome to the Building the Dam podcast. My name is Marcus Russell. Joining me shortly, uh, Joe Lundergrain. He's uh, editor of Building the Dam. Also does a lot of other things for a lot of other sites, so you've probably heard him. And uh, today we're talking all about Oregon State baseball and the NCAA bracket that was released this morning. So enjoy the show. Joining me now is Joe Lundergrain. How are you doing, Joe? Not too bad, man. How are you? Doing great. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. And the big news of the day is that the NCAA bracket was officially revealed. Oregon State got a 16 seed, and the Corvallis Regional was filled out with uh, Oregon State, Creighton the two seed, Michigan the three seed, and Cincinnati. What are what are some of your initial thoughts, Joe? This is definitely going to be a tough one because it's not that these teams are necessarily that much better or like more historically successful than Oregon State, but the NCAA tournament's about getting hot at the right time. And I think you have a few teams in here that are definitely doing that. And from what we've seen from the Beavers the last few weeks as the regular season kind of wrapped up, they're kind of going in the opposite direction, getting cold, if anything, as as the season ends. So there's actually a little bit of cause for concern there, in my opinion. I was a little surprised that Oregon State got the 16 seed. Uh-huh. Um, I thought they were a little underseeded, but it makes sense. They were cold to end the season, and frankly, it's just a good thing that they're able to host the regional. Yeah, yeah, top 16 teams get the regional, so they literally got the last hosting spot available. So it, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that would have been bad if they had gone from you know as high as they started at the beginning of the season. I want to say like number two in the nation or whatever, and then end up not hosting a regional, that would, that would be, that'd be not good. <laughs> Even with all the yeah. injuries and everything, that's team. For sure. And looking, I don't want to look ahead too far because Creighton, Michigan, Cincinnati, they're all very good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, Oregon State would match up with UCLA in the super regional. And some people are a little upset about that. UCLA obviously is the number one overall seed. My opinion on it is it's not that big of a deal. I think any of the top five seeds or so are all really difficult. So UCLA is who they got. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think if people are are concerned about that, I think they need to be thinking more in the near future as getting out of this regional is going to be a tough enough task in and of itself. Um, but I mean, UCLA's had a, had a really strong year. I remember at the beginning of the year, I was hesitant to get real high on them because they've had high expectations each of the last three or four years and haven't really lived up to it. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they found the the magic ingredient this year and all that young talent they got is finally starting to, you know, put something special together. Before we jump into the Corvallis regional a little bit more in depth, uh, what are just your thoughts on the overall bracket any snubs or any undeserving teams get in anything stick out to you uh well i mean they, they were an auto bid but um glad to see harvard got in with uh, the ivy league championship thus we got to see them politely shake each other's hands when they were uh announced on the selection show special while all the other teams <laughs> were like you know like cracking bottles of water like they were champagne or whatever that was that was really funny um <laughs> As far as like the overall field, there's uh, there's not too much in there in terms of like uh, I don't know what do you call it? last minute last minute entries or anything like that that was really too crazy. Um, yeah, Cincinnati was probably one of the ones that I think a lot of people were 
uh, psyched to see, you know, get the Americans out of it because going into that tournament, it was between ECU, who's had a really good year, and uh, UConn, who's a pretty strong team, you know, uh, in and of themselves. But uh, Cincinnati kind of winning that tournament was definitely what you'd call a bid steal. Uh, in terms of everybody else, seeing some of these uh, kind of smaller tier SEC teams get in, it's definitely a heavy, it's heavy on SEC teams this year, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because, I mean, there's there's so much talent in this conference as there seems to be, in that conference, I should say, as there seems to be every single year. So definitely some of the smaller guys kind of miss out with the at-large bids, but overall, I think we're going to get a really, um, really entertaining tournament either way. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think people are a little upset about Florida and maybe TCU getting in. Sure. Um, but I didn't have any big problems with it. I know BYU was probably the biggest snub in my eyes. They probably should have gotten in regular season champ. Uh, but then if you're in a small conference like the West Coast Conference, you kind of mm-hmm. got to win your championship. So not yeah. nothing too upsetting there. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely hard to get respect when you're in those smaller West Coast leagues anyway. You yeah. know what I mean? Either you get your yeah. auto bid, you're pretty much screwed. Yeah, exactly. And I think baseball is a little bit more uh, regional, I guess. They try to focus more on travel and things like that as opposed to like the NCAA tournament for basketball. They care a lot less about how far teams have to travel. Uh, but it seems like this is a lot more regional based. A lot of the California teams were placed together. Um, I felt like a lot more West Coast teams were faced the matchup, and East Coast teams are faced the matchup. Uh, does that sound kind of like the norm to you? Yeah, yeah, it it kind of seems to be that way most years, and I imagine the the reasoning for that is a it saves the the teams themselves travel money. You got to think the the budget is uh, getting. Not that the NCAA is going to ever run out of money, but, you know, it's obviously trying to cut corners somewhere with how much they spend on making the NCAA tournament and college football stuff uh, as big a deal as they do. Um, And then, you know, just the other thing is, you know, as much as it pains me to say, college baseball has a significantly smaller fan base than some of these other sports. So, uh, you know, people from, I don't know. UNC Wilmington, for example, aren't, aren't necessarily going to fly all the way to Los Angeles to see them play in a regional there. So it, you know, it, I think it makes sense for everybody involved. Yeah, for sure. All right. So looking at the Corvallis regional, um, who poses the biggest threat to Oregon State, in your opinion? Uh, you know, I'm going to say Michigan just because I think they're the most balanced team. And I think they have they're one of the more talented teams. If you look at them, you see they have the the best team batting average in the Big Ten and the lowest ERA in the Big Ten. So clearly a really balanced team. Uh, outfielder Jordan Brewer is really solid. He's probably got an MLB career ahead of him when he leaves probably in two years. I, I don't see him leaving after the end of this his junior year, but uh, we'll see. Um, Cincinnati is another tough team. Like I mentioned, they kind of stole a bit out of the American Conference with uh, how good of a team uh, ECU was and uh, UConn kind of was towards the end of the year. Um, oddly enough, first tourney berth for them in 45 years, which is uh, so. Wow. That, yeah, it's a pretty historical moment for for that program. Um, I want to say the last time they made the tournament, the Cincinnati Reds or the Cincinnati Red Stockings or something like that. Um, but. I, you really could say that, uh, once again, that they stole a bid with just they got hot at the right time winning that tournament, and that's always dangerous, like I mentioned, with uh, 
Oregon State kind of doing the opposite lately. And then with uh, Creighton out of the Big East, do not sleep on them either. Won that tournament, got their league's auto bid, and they're winners of the last eight games that they played to close this. Another team that's getting really hot at the right time. And um, fun fact about them, they play all their home games in the stadium where the College World Series is hosted every year, if you weren't aware. Um, Right. So might have uh, might have something working on their side there. But, um, I, you know, I really think Michigan's kind of the team they got to worry about the most. But uh, Creighton's, you know, winners of eight in a row, like I mentioned. So you can't really get too down on a team that's um, got a, a nice little Cinderella story behind them. And they're just playing some of their best baseball of the year at the very end, which is what you want to be doing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree with you there. I was looking – I feel like in the postseason, pitchers are super valuable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen Oregon State struggle at the plate, and that's a concern. But looking at Creighton and Michigan's uh, pitching staffs, it looks like Michigan, they've kind of got their three starters Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, yep. and they're really locked in. All three of them have been doing a really good job all season, while Creighton uh, has kind of bounced around with their pitching staff, and they've got a lot of – a lot more guys to throw at you. Um, but if it looks like if you're going to beat Michigan, you're going to have to get to their starters early and kind of knock them out of the game. That'd be the game plan, which is something Oregon State's had a big problem with is getting at other team starters and trying to knock them out of the game early. I was going to say they Oregon State plays some of their has played some of their better baseball this year in later innings, which against a team that's, uh, you know, as deep with the starters like Michigan is, like you mentioned, that's a problem. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and what do you, what have you heard with Oregon State as far as their pitching staff? Uh, is Brandon Isert? He, I've heard he might be back for postseason play. Um, looks like Bryce Femmel will probably be their Friday starter at this point, and it looks like Grant um, will be Saturday Sunday starter. Uh, what, how do you see it shaking out for this next weekend? Yeah, I mean, at this point, they're just kind of going with whoever's healthy. So I think you got to go with Bryce on Friday if he if he can go, which I don't know why he couldn't at this point. Um, I haven't heard too much about Brandon Iser lately. Um, hopefully he'll be hopefully he'll be fine. Um, with the MRA came back clean was the last thing that I saw on him from uh, Bob Lundeberg. So hopefully he'll be fine. The, for the duration of the postseason um and i mean certainly they they need him now more than ever so i would expect to see him in one of those starting spots uh probably the saturday spot and then you know if they get down to it then i think you got to throw grant gambrell in there just because you know I, I can't think of anybody else on that team right now that i would be super comfortable with throwing in a starting spot given what we've seen from some of the younger guys on this staff unfortunately this year yeah no, I definitely agree. I think maybe the fourth guy, if Isert isn't healthy, might be Dylan Pierce. Um, I think he'd be all right starting it. But I think any of these guys, if they're going to get into any sort of trouble early, uh, Pat Bailey's going to have the the short leash and yank them for Christian Chamberlain or uh, somebody like that. So it'll be interesting. I'm I still feel like the the pitching lineup is kind of up in the air, and even the regular. Um, the outfielders infielders are kind of up in the air as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out for sure. Yeah. Um, I think it'll, it's nice, you know, Cincinnati is kind of on a hot street. 
They they finished the season just one game over 500. So hopefully Oregon State can get that one Friday and then kind of look to Creighton or Michigan winner of that game. Um, so just overall big picture, you think Oregon State's going to make it out of this regional or not? Uh, you know, that's that's the million-dollar question. My gut says no, but, I mean, my gut's been wrong plenty of times before. Um especially when it comes to sports related things. So uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say no, just because I think you have two teams that maybe aren't, aren't the deepest, but are getting hot at the right times in uh, Cincinnati and Creighton. And then you have a team like Michigan who is, uh, you know, they kind of hit some, some snags late in the season with uh, making the exit from the big 10 tournament. Uh, Ohio state got the auto bid from that league, but um, have a lot of talent on that pitching staff as well as in the offense um, so I think there's a lot to worry about with that team. And, um, you know, with Oregon State, uh, while you have guys like Adley Rutschman who are playing really, really well, Bo Phillip kind of falls into that category too. I think just the the concerns with the pitching staff right now are a little too much. And um, like I've said about six times on this podcast so far, you need to be getting hot at the exact right time in order to make a deep run. And they're just they're just not doing that. You know, they probably played their best baseball in like – March, April, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, as the weather gets hot, you got to get hot with it. So, yeah, I mean, my head agrees with you. I think Creighton, Michigan, they're both very good ball clubs. Oregon State's been slumping. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I look at it, I Oregon State's pitching staff, as many injuries as they've had, um, they've still been very good all season long. And yeah. Oregon State, as much as they struggled against inferior opponents midweek games things like that um when they played the stanfords when they played the uclas um they always kind of seem to show up and be competitive so i i think they're gonna make it out i could be wrong but i hope i'm not wrong i think they're gonna be able to to pull it off and move on to the super regionals it's funny i think if you asked people uh what the wink link was with this team a lot of people would probably say the pitching. And I mean, we just on this podcast alone, we've kind of voiced our concerns about the pitching staff and the starters and all that. But if you go back and look at like the national stats, OSU still finished the regular season with the lowest, uh, the second lowest uh, team ERA and D1. So like there's still plenty of talent on this team. They just got to kind of, you know, dig it out from within themselves, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you had a chance to look at the rest of the bracket? Um, and I guess my question is, who is your early picks to get to Omaha? Yeah, um, I got to think that uh, Vanderbilt's definitely going to make it to Omaha just because they're playing some of their best baseball right now. Um, and obviously just a ton of talent on that team, as they seem to have every year. Um from the bracket below them, I got to go with Louisville. Um, while they, they've kind of stumbled a couple of times in the past couple of years in terms of executing at the uh, at the highest level when they get to Omaha, I think they have enough there uh, to get back this year. Um, mm -hmm. And then going below them, it, it wouldn't make sense if Jake Mangum ended his college career without Mississippi State getting to the College World Series. So, that, I think that yeah. just makes the most sense. Um, below them, you know what? This uh, I, I really feel good about this this Coastal Carolina team. I think they've played really well all year. 
Um, and some people will remember they won the 2016 national title. So I think it'd be, I think it'd be interesting to see them kind of get back. And then obviously that's, that's kind of the first non one seed I've picked to get to Omaha from there. Um, yeah. On the other side, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. I feel it's interesting that LSU and Arizona state kind of got matched into the same regional, because I think that's going to be one of the uh, really entertaining early clashes of this tournament. But I think whoever uh, gets out of that regional between those two teams is going to Omaha because LSU really solid and balanced as they seem to be every year, but Arizona state's offense, man, they just, they've been hitting dingers left and right all season. So whoever, whoever that between LSU and Arizona state, I think is going to Omaha. Um, Above them, probably I'm going to go with Arkansas just because they return most of their talent from last year. And as all Oregon State fans are still rejoicing in, they were one dropped foul ball away from winning it all last year. Um, and then above them, you know what? I'm I'm going to say that, uh, you know, Florida with the struggles that they've had this year, I think they're going to pull off something of a, I mean, it's it's tough to say that an SE team is a Cinderella, but they're a three seed, so I think they can they can pull it off out of that area. And then out of yeah. the this, the battle between the Corvallis Regional and the UCLA Regional, um, you know what? I, I really can't really go against my gut too much. I think UCLA is not really going to have too much of a problem getting out of their regional. And then with just the amount of the amount of depth that they've had, you know, that's basically been the the reason why they've only lost eight games so far this year um i i think they're just yeah i I think they're just too good to not get there this year i don't know maybe that maybe that youth will finally start to kick in when they get to omaha and they'll they'll stumble a little bit but like eight games man you know it's like oregon state the last two years you know what i mean they they've kind of risen to the occasion this year so i think that though i'm pretty confident in those picks to go to omaha (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree with you. And UCLA, I have them going to Omaha as well. They've got the best pitching staff in the nation. And like you said, they've only lost eight games. Uh, they're impressive. Then there's, I had actually picked Dallas Baptist University. Kind of the same thought as you, though. Somebody's going to break through and be a Cinderella from that bracket. Um, and then, yep, I had Arkansas um, as well. Arkansas and LSU. Uh, Vanderbilt. I had NC State pulling the upset over Louisville. Then I had Michigan State and North Carolina, um, kind of my eight teams. But yep, my early, early picks to win it all were Arkansas, Michigan State. Um, So it'll be interesting. Seems like it's going to be a good tournament. For sure. And hopefully we see some more of those those smaller schools break through. I think that's one of my favorite things about this tournament is you see some uh, some of the smaller teams who don't necessarily get the uh the nationwide recognition during football and basketball season to kind of let them shine a little bit like uh, coastal carolina did a couple years ago so hopefully we get some moments like that if oregon state can't uh, get back of course of course yeah um well sweet do you have any other thoughts on the the baseball tournament for now uh you know i think the only other thing was uh hopefully we just see adley rushman kind of leave his last little impressions on Oregon state as he's done um, led the league in batting average this season was top five in home runs in the league also walked more times than anybody in the country, uh, which was just a ridiculous stat. Um, so hopefully that, that works in their favor with uh, people being as scared of him as they seem to be. And uh, you know, we get some, 
we get Adley one more good uh, good memory of his time in Corvallis. Yeah, um, that's what I'm worried about is Adley. He's been walked 73 times this year, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like that's kind of the the mo for Oregon State. Let Adley get on base and behind him, there's not much backing him up. I think Bo Phillips has been the only other consistent contributor at the plate, but everybody else has been up and down all season long. So hopefully he doesn't get walked too much and the guys behind him uh, deliver when there's when those guys are on base. Uh, but moving over to a different sport, I wanted to ask you about basketball real quick. Uh, the Oregon State got great news. Trace Tinkles returning to the hardwood. Mm-hmm. How, how good do you think they can be next year in, in Trace's sing, senior season? I mean, with Tinkle coming back, I think I've, I've said it before on a couple other shows, but he makes all the difference in terms of their success next year. Sure, there's some decent talent coming in with this recruiting class, but if there's no leadership, and then obviously, you know, I, I don't think that while freshmen obviously have had success in the NCAA tournament and whatnot before, I this doesn't strike me as that kind of group of freshmen. So I think you need yeah. some kind of uh, leadership figure in there to kind of uh, push everything forward. Um, hopefully they get Ethan Thompson back too. Um, if they do, then, you know, I, I think they at least get to the NIT again, or again, I think they at least get to the NIT in 20, uh, 2019 slash 2020. But, um, you know, I think Tinkle coming back just, just makes all the difference. If he was gone, they, you know, it, it'd be, we'd be having a much different conversation right now. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I'm excited about their potential next year. Trace back. He's kind of an engine that makes the team go. And I think uh, they could have a good year, one of their better years. Um, and last thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, the big debate in Beaver Nation. Jonathan Smith not loving social media. Um, <laughs> do you think that's a big deal? Not a big deal. It It is and it isn't. Um, I think that, you know, if, if you don't want to spend all your free time glued to your phone or whatever, that's fine. I, I think when it becomes a problem is um, just projecting that kind of image to your recruits, you know, obviously Oregon state, while they've had a pretty good, uh, good couple of weeks in terms of signing players, you really want to give off this. uh, You you just want to give off an image of like a coach that understands what, what younger people are are into and, and why they value the things they value and just kind of like, open, you know, if you don't like social media, that's fine. But like, you can kind of, you know, put on a brave face and still do it or like get a, get an intern to do it for you. You know what I mean? Like, it's fine if you don't want to do it, but openly just saying, you know, taking the, uh, the old man stance on it or whatever is definitely not going to help things if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> I just find it hilarious that Jonathan Smith, such a young coach uh, for a D1 coach, and he's got such an old school approach with his uh, no social media stance almost. But I mean, I I don't think it's that big of a deal. And yeah. uh, just in the last couple of weeks, they signed that quarterback, Ben Goldbranson, I guess not signed. They got a verbal commit from him. And mm-hmm. then uh, the four star wide receiver, Zariah Beeson. So, I mean, the 2020 recruiting class, it's only got three guys in it so far, but it's looking pretty good. So I'm I'm taking a wait and see approach. It's not a problem until it's a problem, I guess. 
Yeah, that's kind of my thought on it too. It's it's not the biggest deal. It's like it, it. I don't know. I just said like it's fine to think that, but to just put it out there is kind of dumb. You could have just been like, yeah, social media is great, and then you wouldn't have that. Wouldn't have been a red flag for some recruits as it probably would have been. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it doesn't. I don't see why they don't just try to use it as another tool in their toolbox. It doesn't even have to be Jonathan Smith is the one that's all over his phone tweeting every five minutes, but you can get somebody to (laughs) fill in, throw out a tweet here and there and just try to engage in the recruits, what they're doing, where they're at. Um, But next season, last question for real. Um, Next season, how many wins do you think Oregon State can get? I'm going to go with three. Yeah, three is my hard line. I think there's going to be some improvement there with, uh, you know, what we saw out of guys like Jamar Jefferson, and hopefully they can kind of put together enough of a defense to stop the bleeding a little bit and win three games. But, you know, I, I don't see it going further than that. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think Cal Poly, Hawaii, and then just one other Pac-12 win somewhere along there. Not sure who it's going to be, but somebody. <laughs> Colorado again. <laughs> yeah. No, they're yeah. not on the schedule, unfortunately. Oh, That's okay. I'd pick. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Joe. We'll let you get out of here and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right. Sounds good, Marcus. Thanks, man. Once again, big thanks to Joe for joining me on the podcast today. Oregon State will um, get started Friday night against Cincinnati. So that'll be at 7 o'clock Pacific time on ESPNU. And, of course, it's a double elimination tournament. So win or lose, Oregon State will get a shot at either Creighton or Michigan on Saturday. That time is still to be announced. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on the podcast next weekend.